0: You're listening to The Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio and sneaky Joe DiBiase on WGR Sports Radio 550.
1: Alright, that's our Friday theme. It is a Friday... It's a Buffalo football Friday here on the extra point show on WGR Sal Capaccio sneaky Joe DiBiase a Buffalo football Friday is always presented by tops markets score big savings and elevate your food game it's a little bit of a different Friday we got so much going on I love it though I love when we have these packed shows that's what we have next two hours we got a lot to get to including if you want to call us 803-0550 let's just run it down right now what we got. In about 10 minutes from now, Paul Hamilton's going to join us. Sabres wild tonight down at the arena. Paul's got to get into the locker room a little bit later, so we'll have him on early tonight. We'll talk about injuries, lineup, where the Sabres, Sabres stand right now. We're going to have Pat Hammer on just before 11 a.m. So he's going right. to tell us a little bit about what's coming this weekend and then Monday night weather, Joe, and what it looks like. You know, we'll also have him, I'll have him on Monday as well, to kind of right before everybody goes to the stadium, but we'll do that. And the reason we're doing that with Pat is because, um, Sean McDermott is going to join us in the around 1140, 1145, mm-hmm. right before we're done here, because the Bills' schedule is different today. It's not a normal Friday, it's a Thursday for them. So Sean's schedule is a little bit different. So we got a lot of moving parts here, Joe DiBiase, today on a very packed extra point show. So it's good to be with you. Good morning to you. Happy Friday to you. Happy Friday. I have a question to start, though, for you. Okay. And that is, did you actually wind up watching
2: The Drive? I did go through and watch the drive in uh, two different breaks. Yes, I, I made it through. I was okay. not so, like, in my head with, what is this formation? Why do I have three people in the backfield and three-point <laughs> yeah. stances? No, I watched it. And honestly, as much as I joked about it on Twitter, like, what are these formations I'm looking at? It's not really that, like... Like, hockey is this way for me. I have trouble watching, like, 70s and 80s hockey because the goalies drive me yeah. crazy. Like, man, it's a wrist shot from the point. Make a save along the ice. This was, like, the drive Browns and uh, and Broncos. Like, Elway's just slinging the ball in this drive. It's not, like, that old school. So,
1: I I hear you. A couple of things. You brought this up. Now, Now I kind of have to shift gears. The next thing I want to ask because okay. you brought up the formations. About a week ago... Fact. I'm looking back. It was November first. I tweeted out a screenshot of a game I ran across on YouTube. 1981, Dolphins Cowboys. I know this is even before the, okay. the drive that yep. was 86 was the drive. So this is only five years before it. Um, Dolphins Cowboys, and like everybody's packed in, and there's one receiver in a three point stance up at the top of the screen, <laughs> right for the Dolphins, and it's wild, right? Wow, that's, that's it's crazy. I know it's amazing how, and the weirdest part was. Like, every single play was like this. It seemed like almost offense, and yet they threw for, like, 300 yards. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. That's unbelievable. And, like, I watch, if you go watch the game, I watched it. The guy who's in, like, the one receiver just was open all the time, and there was just easy slant patterns to him, and it was crazy. The game has changed. The reason I brought up the drive is two reasons. Number one, it was an amazing drive, right? I mean, Elway was oh, yeah. incredible. The Broncos Unreal. were incredible. They tie the game. They wind up winning it over time uh right there against the Cleveland Browns in the AFC Championship game. The other reason is I mean, do you see what I see? Elway mm. Allen is Elway, man. Yeah. I mean, he looks like him. He stands tall like him. He has the same mannerisms. It's
2: incredible to me. I I think so. I mean, watching right watching the drive this morning, the ball. You know what's funny, too? I watched it actually on like on YouTube, they have that game in full so that's where I was watching it. Like, in that video, I just clicked forward. So it's yeah. it's the TV broadcast. And yep, I don't know that I've ever watched the drive that wasn't in NFL films. You know what I mean? It's like, I've watched it right. with NFL films, but what does NFL films do with the clips? It's all in slow motion. Or almost all of it is in slow motion. And something that I don't think I appreciated before watching it with just, like, live on the broadcast... Is how freaking fast John Elway throws the football, like the ball is going a thousand miles an hour off his hand. And again, that's not really something that I would have watched or been able to notice watching at NFL films. So yeah, like I watched that, like how hard he throws it. He's running around. Yeah, I mean, not that I ever would have disputed that it's a good uh, comparison, but I totally see it watching that clip Elway to Allen.
1: I know. I- I've always thought like um, that Elway and Allen were very a really good comparison to each other just the how they move and, and Elway was kind of before his time right with the the, the the size and the mobility now he would run for like 300 yards a year 200 and something but that was really good back then for that for a quarterback and you know yeah you had your your guys who came along like Randall Cunningham you know back in the day and that time of year and then did that time of uh, time frame Steve Young obviously came along a little bit later in the early 90s you had some guys but Elway was just different. He was kind of the, the, the Allen of his day, which was really big, had this incredible arm, but yet, man, you just couldn't bring him down. Mm-hmm. And when he decided to run, he was really tough. Now, Allen obviously runs a little bit differently and a little bit more. So, yeah, it was fun to watch that. That was the start of three of four years. The, mm-hmm. fi- the next year was the fumble. You know what the fumble is, obviously, right?
2: the fump the, you know the fumble is oh wait a minute see this is where this is where my brain will merge things that's not right i think i thought until you just said that that the drive came immediately after the fumble but that's not right the drive was
1: first the drive okay. was first so in 86 yeah okay 86 Elway gets the ball 5 min- by the way 5 minutes left if you think about the drive people think it was like a 2 minute drill it wasn't yeah. there was like 5 minutes left right 4 minutes left something like that yeah they get at the ball through two yard line And they drive down, they score. The next year, the two teams meet again in the AFC Championship game. And Ernest Beiner is about to basically win the game for the Browns. He's running into the end zone, and he gets stripped of the ball right before the goal line, and the Browns lose.
2: See, okay, this is where I thought I knew my history, and apparently I didn't. I thought the drive came, like, I thought Ernest Beiner fumbled the football, and then Elway went 98 yards on the next drive. But that's not even the same game. All right, I learned something today. Now, see, now I question, then, now I question all my history. Like, what else? Again, the Ronnie Harmon <laughs> game—I watched that without knowing what happened. Like, how much of NFL history do I think I know that I really don't? Because now I'm going to want to go like watch NFL films for the next five hours. So, 86 in Cleveland
1: is the drive. The next year, the yep. two teams meet again in the AFC Championship game. 87 in Denver is the fumble. That's the fumble. Two years later, the same two teams meet again in the AFC Championship game. And this one's more of a blowout for the uh, Broncos, I believe. I think they kind of ran away with that one. They met. Those two teams, Joe, wow. met three out of four years to go to the Super Bowl. And every one of those, the Broncos won. Wow.
2: But they couldn't win the big they, one. And,
1: <laughs> right. For they a while. They couldn't win the big one, right? Great. I love it. I love it. Okay, well, that's really cool. And Joe, Joe actually tweeted out about it. I just sent you, Joe. The uh, the screenshot of if if you look at your DM
2: you got it the screenshot of what I'm talking about (laughs) 81. (laughs) You see, get (laughs) out of here with come on (laughs) guys. It took that long to pick up that that wasn't the right way to line up. How long were we doing that? (laughs) Thirty years? Fifty years? Oh man, that that's really where I get frustrated. Like there wasn't a coach out there that said, hey, what if we did this differently before. What? What do they start? When do they start standing up? Maybe they already were, and this was just one team but doing. Joe, look at the look at the defense. Look like, how
1: many guys are right there.
2: One, two, three, it looks four, like a four, goal five, line six, play. Seven, eight, Joe,
1: I that's nine. the first play of the game. By the way, that's the first play of the game.
2: I. It's it's unbelievable. I can't. Was it a pass play? They probably passed out of this play, didn't they?
1: I think it was. I think he completed a pass, like on a slant, if I remember right. 80s football, man. They went double tights, split backfield, one receiver in a three point stance, the Miami Dolphins. And they threw, and he had a really good game, by the way. I think throwing the ball. I don't know. Woodley, Strzok, whoever it was at the time, Greasy. I don't know. Mm. Uh, Amazing. All right. The other thing we want to get to before Paul comes on. I mean, did you guys do a "Let's get silly, let's get stupid"? Because this whole McDavid thing is starting to intrigue me. I just want to play around with it for a minute.
2: We did. I mean, we did after they lost in the playoffs. It was, like, in fact, I think it was our first or second "Let's get stupid" ever. Was trading for McDavid. Um, <laughs> uh, so like it, it we could fire it back up. I mean, we we could do repeats because the, it okay cause today well. would be the day to do that.
1: I think that's exactly what we should do because we have a caller, LJ, who right away wants to get on this. All right. Uh, in fact, hold on. Give me one second. Let me bring LJ up. I got it. I just have to reset my call screener here. So LJ is going to uh, help us here, and we're going to get connected with our fans and we talk to LJ. Go ahead, LJ. You're on the air. Let's talk about McDavid. What do you want to say?
3: Hey, happy Friday. Happy Sabres game day. Uh, just wanted a question to pose to Paul and you guys here. Uh, you know, with what's going on at Edmonton and how frustrated he is after games, he probably eventually will want out, and we have the pipeline. We'd be one of the few teams in the league that could offer a package, you know, to go get him. And, I mean, the opportunity <laughs> is here. We're dying for playoffs. So I just wanted to hear, you know, your guys' thought on it, and if you think it's even possible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I'll funny. let you
2: take it, Joe. What do you think? <laughs> is it possible? I mean, the obvious answer It still feels like it should be no. Here is where I'm at, though. This is why I'm like I'm willing to like even half kiddingly like entertain the idea, whether it's Twitter or on the air, is McDavid being traded out of Edmonton. It's getting ridiculous. I mean, it's getting ridiculous. I mean, it it is nuts that like they're not quite like I saw someone tweet out like uh, a picture of Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, and the, the photo is Mike Trout and Shohei Ohtani uh, shaking hands on the Angels. Like, it's not even that bad, right? Like, the Angels can't even make the playoffs with those two. Like, the Oilers at least do that once in a while. So, long story short, I think you can have the conversation. I don't think it's going to happen, but here's where I'm at. He's under contract for two more years after this year. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they don't... 12.5 a year. How different is it from Michael here? It's, okay, the player's great, and no, they would never trade him. I mean, that's how we acted until, right up until that final year, right? Where, like, the year before they traded Eichel. There were stories being written in the national media about how, oh, man, if they're bad this year, the Sabres could look to trade Eichel, and what was Sabre fans' responses? No, they would never do that. What are you kidding? Me? It was just for clicks. Mm-hmm. And then eight months later, oh, it was really happening. So that that's, I feel like that's the stage we're at right now with Edmonton, is you can write about or talk about like trading McDavid, and I think the proper response you're going to get is it would never happen, you're a fool, you're only doing it for clicks. And I think it's really possible that in like eight to sixteen months, that it's going to be a real thing.
1: Uh, what? Why are? Th- what is going on there? Why are they so bad? I mean, they're
2: they, they you know what? You know why they're bad? I mean, this is year seven. I mean, has it been the whole time he's been there where that franchise doesn't have a clue what to do in goal or on the blue line? Like they they those two groups they keep failing at over and over and over. They paid Jack Campbell. Right, they gave him a big contract, five years or whatever, four million bucks. not like it's massive, and here we are in year two Sal and they waved him into the aHL with years left on the contract. Josh told me I didn't realize this. Jack Campbell went down to the aHL he got waived, no one claimed him last night he let in three goals and eleven shots like that that's their problem. Their problem is they can't they it's again kind of similar to the Sabres with Eichel, although McDavid's a better player so they can make the playoffs. It's they don't know how to build around them. That is getting connected with our fans.
1: Thanks for the phone call, LJ, and starting us off with that because I want to talk to Paul Hamilton about all this as well. Getting connected with our fans is brought to you by Northtown Kia, Western New York's number one Kia dealer. Shop online at NorthtownKia.com. Paul joins us right now on the Hur Hotline Paul, I mean, you know, we're talking about the goaltending situation in Edmonton, just kind of big picture. I mean, obviously getting into the weeds, McDavid, down the road, those kinds of things. But how shocking is it to see the Edmonton Oilers in the position they're in right now and losing to the Sharks last night?
4: Well, I've never liked their goaltending or their defense, and it's just an example mm-hmm. of what we talked about all summer long. And, Sal, you and I talked about it many times on the air. You can't reach for a goaltender. And uh, people were so upset with the Sabres goaltending situation. They were suggesting options that just, you know, we were monitoring all summer long talking about goaltenders that signed or goaltenders uh, that were traded. Joe, you too, we were talking about it too. Mm-hmm. And I always thought, what? I was never interested in any of them, you know, and any of those goaltenders, it just didn't make any sense. And I didn't think the Sabres would get drastically better, if better at all, with those options. Will they go out and get Campbell? Who had what? What was it I'm, I'm going by memory here, guys, one good season maybe, yeah, uh, one and one
2: and a half It was like, remember, Paul was like the end of one year he showed up for Toronto, and what was that? 10 to 20 games, yeah. and then the next year he was good. So it was like a year and a quarter maybe.
4: So you're Edmonton, and you give him that contract? And that's just what I kept trying to say all along. And, Sal, I know you agreed with it also that, you know, Mm -hmm. guys, don't just go get a goaltender for the sake of going to get a goaltender. And so now they're stuck. They have a contract that's unworkable. And now he's sitting in the minors. Same thing with Nurse. Way overpaid for Nurse. It's not that I don't like Nurse as a defenseman, but he's not a $9 million guy. So they overpay him. And they still don't have a great defense. I mean, yeah, they have good forwards, but, uh, you know, they they never really have been able to address their defense or their goaltending. And I've always wondered how happy McDavid is in Edmonton anyway. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you saw the look on his face when their lottery came up Edmonton because he really wanted to come to (laughs) Buffalo, and his face just got flushed, as did Gary Bettman's, because he didn't want him in Edmonton either. You know, so for the growth of hockey. And I I just have wondered all along how happy he is there.
2: So you don't think it's nuts to, I mean, maybe it's nuts now. Like, I'm almost doing projection when I say this, Paul. Like, I I don't even want to ignore the conversation. One, it's a fun conversation to have, even if it's not going to happen. But, like, I don't know. Like, in, in a year or two, couldn't this be a real topic? If if I mean, he's only got, after this year, two more years on his contract. Like, that's where I think it's starting to, to get to.
4: It could be a topic this summer. I mean, quite right? honestly, uh, if this keeps going the way it's going, if this doesn't improve or it, it winds up like this, it, it might become a topic this summer. Uh, Jack Eichel always said he was happy in Buffalo, then all of a sudden he wasn't, you know, and yep. – we all know what happened there so uh, it'll be interesting to see how all that goes down
1: i want to remind everybody that this is an organization that traded wayne gretzky when he was 27 years old now i understand it's a different organization now and it's different they were out of you money. know situations too
4: and the NHL is yeah. like, uh, we'd like to have Wayne Gretzky in Los Angeles, not Edmonton. Okay, guys, <laughs> right. you, you've won your cups. Let's, let's was, move on. <laughs> wink, wink. And he's
1: married to an actress. It all worked. Wink, and wink. they did get $15 million cash. We can yeah. revisit that in a little while. I'd like to. Um, I want to ask you, let's go back to what you talked about, the Sabres goaltending. Let's shift it back here. Okay, so now that we know what we know, all right, Paul, we know about Levi. He hasn't played you know top level but he's had the injury too we know about Comrie with his injury and we've seen lucan now play i think better than expected now looking at everything back did they make the right call 10 games in whatever 13 games in to play this the way they played it with the goaltending going back to last summer
4: as of today yes but it's too early to tell overall i mean Lukanen Mm -hmm. has been great really has been good very good and uh, I have no problems with him. I think he's improved greatly, but we're we're not even a month into the season yet or just about a month into the season yet, so I don't think we can make judgment on just one month. Remember last year he had that 12-3 and three month and was rookie of the month uh, in the NHL and was doing great, you know, and you hope he's learned from that that he has to be like that most of the time, not some of the time or half the time or – anything like that but so even Comrie, so far so good before he got hurt he was playing really well uh, quite honestly levi was the worst of the three you know uh, when, when the injury started happening and i don't think levi's been all that bad really you know so uh speaking of levi too he is down in the starters now we thought yesterday he'd probably be the starter tonight so it's still looking like he's a starter and only a few guys are out there these tend to be optional these days but samuelson is out there and cousins is out there but not in the yellow he's got the full mask on the plastic mask over his face but not in the yellow jersey so there are only like three or four guys out there but they're guys we want to know about and they're out mm-hmm. there i haven't seen tuck yet he is a question mark for this game because he's missed the last two days in practice and savoy was in his spot yesterday in practice.
2: Yeah, and and as you said, Paul, like training camp, the plan was kind of, it seemed to put Savoy up with Thompson through the preseason and maybe even into the regular season. But if is it up to whether Tuck plays, you think, that Savoy will be in the lineup or not tonight?
4: I asked Gran- Granado that question yesterday if Savoy's in regardless, and he wouldn't really. He goes, Savoy's okay. going to play. It's something um, you know, but he wouldn't really say if he's in if Tuck plays. So, but Joe, you're absolutely right. Granado said uh, around the when training camp was over that, or when Savoy got hurt that that was going to be Savoy's position, and uh, to start camp instead of Benson. But when Savoy couldn't do it, they slit, slid Benson into that slot.
1: What, what happens with this whole thing, how it shakes out with Benson, Savoy? And I want to ask you an update on Jack Quinn. He's a part of this too, uh, Paul. And when it looked like you know two months from now, if, if everyone's back healthy again, obviously injuries can happen, but we have the, uh, was it the World Juniors, right? These guys can go mm-hmm. play, is that the, I think, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, so third
4: camp ha, ha. first, about the first week and a half in December. Now they got to get invited. And last year it was a surprise right. that Savoy wasn't invited to Canada's camp. Right. But I, I'd be shocked if they weren't invited.
1: So, so what, what do you think the ideal situation is for the Sabres with all of that, given the fact that the nine games they can use with these guys, the fact they have the option to do that, but maybe not Rochester? What would, how would they like this to play out, you think?
4: Well, I think they're trying to nurse it through, you know, to, to get it up to uh, training camp and get them to training camp. And yeah. then January rolls around. It, it, it's exactly what Seattle did with Shane Wright. And they didn't have to send him to junior until January. And then he was able to go back to the AHL once his junior season was over, which uh, these guys would be able to do. So um, we'll see if, if they wind up sending him back to junior after the world junior. But I still think – I don't think either one would wind up in junior now. I think right now they're just going to nurse it through and get it to the world junior camp, get him into the world juniors if they can. And then look at it after that. That that would be my guess.
1: Not- B- Benson yeah. being on IR would have no impact on his availability for the World Juniors, correct?
4: Uh, yeah. That, it's it's if he's, if he's healthy enough. Now he is skating with the. No, I mean group. like
1: technically, like they can't say, "Well, he's on IR," like you can't play that game. Like it doesn't. They
2: would have nothing to do with each well, other. Well, I don't correct? think they would have to, right, Paul? Because they could. If you loan him, then he doesn't count to the roster. Yeah, the Sabers
4: don't have to let him go. Right. They did okay. that with Jay McKee years ago. Would not release him to play for Team Canada.
2: Okay, but what what I mean is like he's on injured reserve right now. Like I think, say like what you're kind of getting at is like, do they have to activate him off IR if they if they if he's right? Not that's my to play in that's my Juniors? point.
1: Right, he can stay on Sabers IR but still play in World Juniors. Is that correct?
4: Good good question. I don't I'd know have that. to look that up in this, or ask okay. Kevin Adams. Well, there's about your
1: homework that. assignment for today. Uh, <laughs> no, one no. one other question before i hold on. Give me Go one ahead. more here. Go, ahead. Um, is there an update on Jack Quinn? Any update on Jack Quinn right now?
4: No. It, it, we asked about him, and basically I, I think the way Don Granato handles it is that he doesn't hear about it if there's nothing new going on, and it sounded okay. like he hadn't heard anything about Quinn in a while. He's around. You see him sitting on a bench okay. watching practice sometimes, and but it sounds like it's nothing different from what it was and what it was was. Uh, around mm-hmm. Christmas time that they're, they're expecting he might be able to come back. It doesn't sound like it's any faster or slower or any, anything like that. It's just basically full speed ahead from where we're going and uh, nothing new.
2: We talked a little bit about this with you yesterday, Paul, but Matias Samuelson, as he inches closer to return, um, and maybe we'll see this weekend, and John Ryan Johnson looking so good through two games. like I'm almost excited to see mm-hmm. like what – they do. It feels like they could do a lot. Like, could they put Samuelson? I don't know if they need to put him with power because Yoki Haru's played better, but maybe you split three guys up, power Samuelson, Darlene. I mean, Johnson playing this well, it, it's, it's such a good problem to have, but I also feel like Granado can get creative with pairings now.
4: Think of what that would do for Ryan Johnson if they could have Johnson and Johnson back on the defense. You know, to be able to play with Eric Johnson and that experience. And, you know, being with him and being able to come off the ice and sit with him and talk with him immediately about your shift. Um, So, and we can say, well, it's only been two games, you know. True. Mm -hmm. Very true. But we do have a a body of work here. He looked great in the prospects tournament. He looked great in preseason, every game except the craft game, which nobody really looked good in. And he looked great for the Amherst. And now, you know, he's looked great in two NHL games. He played with Dahleen and really played well. I mean, supported Dahleen, and the two of them really meshed well together out there in 19 minutes of work. Now, him playing at Minnesota the full route, I think, helped him because Minnesota is one of the best programs in the nation. So that's almost like playing in the minors. Yeah. So he's had a good background for him. But. He doesn't look like he needs a lot more, if any, time in the American Hockey League. I think he has given them a decision to make, and that's where this three-goaltender thing is going to come back and haunt him again because they may not have a roster spot for him, Mm -hmm. and that isn't right. This kid, I think, has earned the right to stay here, and, well, when the time comes, we'll see. But I think, as of now, he's earned the right to stay here, and if he's got to go back to junior because they're keeping three goalies, that to me is not right. Yeah, that that, or, that not is, junior. I'm sorry, uh, Rochester.
2: A.H.L. Yeah, I, that yeah. that is definitely right. The three goalie thing is going to become a problem for that, and also like it makes me think of like Paul, like Yuri Kulik right now in Rochester is tearing like nine goals in ten games, and reading some of the reporters from Rochester, like his two way game is way better than it was last year. I, I mean, again, like I don't really know what you do with the roster. But even he if he keeps playing the like that, I mean he's going to make it tough on them to not call him
4: up. yeah, don't just look at points because a lot of those points too are power play points, which this okay. team could use right <laughs> I'm almost ready to let him come up anyway even if he's not quite ready defensively to help put you know out the power play a little bit. but he didn't put points up in the preseason he wasn't offensively doing well either. I mean if he ripped up the preseason offensively, then maybe that's a little different story. Um. Now, you know, getting sent down may have been a wake up call to him. That he he improved his defense a little bit last year. You know, he was working on it, but he may have worked on it even harder now since he's been down in Rochester, uh, this this little bit over a month, and and of course training camp down there too. And he might have realized that okay, it's not just about scoring points. I have to, I have to do this if I want to be a Buffalo Saber. So it might be real a huge part of his focus now. Uh, now that he got sent back there maybe that was a little bit of a wake-up call for him but with the way the Sabres power play is going I don't know if I'd be against letting him come up and and at least uh try to put put a little bit into the power play
1: Paul tonight uh who's in goal for the Sabres and just give us about 30 seconds on the Minnesota Wild right now
4: well it looks like Levi the Wild really had a rough start and then they got a little bit better they advantage for the Sabres is the wild played in New York against the Rangers last night yep. lost four to one so they're in a back-to-back situation which Buffalo will be in Saturday but the Penguins were in Los Angeles last night so mm-hmm. you know they were in LA on Thursday then they're home against the Sabres on Saturday so the Penguins may be a little bit dragging too so that might be a couple of games at least in a back-to-back that may be a little bit better for the Sabres but uh, Devin Levi gets the call tonight which means I would guess And I think it's a pretty educated guess that Lucanen would be in goal against the Penguins.
1: All right, Paul. Thanks a lot. And I know you got to get into the room. We'll be following along at PHAM1717 on Twitter and, of course, WGR550.com. Thanks, Paul. Have a great weekend. You too, guys. Take care. All right. Paul's appearances on WGR brought to you by Equitable Advisors. Planning for your future is about more than just money. Let Equitable be your guide. And by Relax Honda. Raylax. We got this. I want to come back, and we got. I want to keep talking about this whole Oilers thing. I got a couple other ideas I want to run by you, but it is a Buffalo football Friday. Of course, that's presented by Toss Markets. Score big savings and elevate your food game. So uh, we got a lot still to get to today. Patrick Hammer in the next hour. uh, I'm sorry, up in the next half hour. Sean McDermott. At 11.40 or so today, we'll have before the noon hour. It's a different day for the Bills, obviously, playing Monday night football. But now it's time for a break. We'll be back in a snap, brought to you by Snapdragon Apples, the official apple of the Buffalo Bills.
4: Something I initiated, you know, just wanted to bring the, the guys together and just talk about some things and see how – you know, us as an offense can make a difference. Yeah, we uh, we talked about a few things, and so, you know, hopefully it was received, and, you know, you know hopefully it's a you know, step in the right direction.
1: That's Latavius Murray. He called the players-only offensive meeting yesterday for the Buffalo Bills. Did you listen, Joe? Did you listen to um, Bulldog yesterday? Show up was off. Did you listen to Bulldog at all?
2: Especially at the start of the show. I did listen. The whole first segment, I did listen and enjoyed myself I thoroughly. I loved it.
1: <laughs> it was great, wasn't it? He, In case people don't know. So what happened was Bulldog basically said to people, hey, if you don't know who called the meeting, like, don't call up and cheat. But if you don't know, yeah. call up and guess. And everybody was calling and guessing. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, Mitch Moore. It was awesome. And you're just running through these phone calls. And finally, someone said Latavius Murray. Yep. And it was Latavius Murray. And I don't know if that person cheated or knew, but it just goes to the point of who called it. And as I said to you this morning, on with Jeremy and you, um, no problem. Latavius Murray is a leader. He's been in this league a long time. Mm -hmm. He's a player on this team. This is not um, a guy that just got here like Leonard Fournette, which Bulldog was laughing because someone actually was going (laughs) to guess Fournette before he got to him. Um, This is a player very well respected. So... I think sometimes when, okay, players only meeting, you look, oh, it's not Josh Allen, it's not Stephon Diggs, it's not Cabe Davis, the leaders. Latavius Murray's a leader. You don't have to have, you don't have to wear a C to be a leader. This guy is very well respected. I will tell you, when he was signed by the Buffalo Bills, I was told by numerous people, like how much of a players, a leader he is amongst players and how he's just a model of work. And gets the workouts that they do in the offseason. He's a guy that's there. He gets people together, things like that. I have no problem with him calling it, and I don't have a problem with them doing it.
2: I don't have a problem with them doing it either. By the way, I I lost it. Like I don't. I didn't even hear the guy say Murray because I was laughing too hard at the guy who said Ed Oliver called the offensive meeting, which would have been the funniest <laughs> thing of all time. I loved that. Cast. He did. Somebody. I, the called joke and guesses said were Ed fun. So, someone said Vince Ferragamo, which was funny. <laughs> yes. Um. But anyways, no. Like I, man, I kind of like that, and you know. It's not that I would have predicted they don't think something's wrong that they think so, everything's perfect, but I just like the recognition from the players and from Murray and the offense as a whole that hey we like we know that this isn't going well like we know we can do a lot right. better, so let's get in the room and let's hash it out you know whether second time or not like I just kind of like that it's a recognition from the offense that we we know that what we're doing right now isn't up to this our standard.
0: The other
1: part about, you know, Mitch Murray calling it, I actually like the fact that it is a player that it doesn't, it's, it's kind of like one of those deals where I always say, Hey, if, if you're, if if you're, if a player hears, I'm going to talk like, about like kids here for a minute, like kids in sports. Sometimes mm-hmm. if you hear it from the same person all the time, your mom and dad, your mom and dad, your mom and dad, sometimes it takes another person, another voice to say it to really kind of sink in like, Oh, it's not just this person saying it to me. I think if you, if you get it all the time from the leaders, the captains, And it's Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis. And if they're saying it, yeah, I mean, that's what they're, okay. Well, they're the leaders. They do it. When it comes from someone like that, who's not, doesn't have the captain attached to it, hasn't been here, Mm -hmm. but has the respect and has been in the league, it can have more gravity. And I think it, you know, in that situation, people perk up and might say, okay, this is a guy that's been around. He's seeing it. He's not on the field every play, but yet we know he's put the time in the work and he's been around this league and he's seen it. So I kind of like that aspect of it as well. 803-0550, the number to call. Back on our uh, McDavid discussion, the Oilers, what's going on with them? And is it too soon to maybe talk about what could happen down the road and would the Sabres ever be a team that could be in that mix if it happens? Let's go to Mark in West Seneca. Go ahead, Mark. You're on WGR.
3: Hey, Sal. Hey, Joe. Uh, Hey, Joe. I know you love the Bills, but I I think I know you're a uh, hockey lover first and you're like me. And talk about the Sabres, and I'm on board all the time. Uh, The reason I'm calling about this topic is, uh, to give a shameless plug to Peters and Reve. they talked about this subject on their podcast not too long ago, and I'm not a regular listener. My son actually turned me on to to this discussion, and one of the things they brought up was the fact that uh, Leon Dreisaitl's agent has been hired by the Edmonton Oilers in a high-profile, high-level job within the organization, And there's some internal workings going on that they're really concerned that Leon wants out. And his contract's coming up to a head, I think, within a year or so, where they're going to have to start having discussions about what he wants to do. And they're really concerned he wants out. And if that happens, they're pretty much uh, resigned to the fact that they believe McDavid's going to want out. Uh, And if that happens, they went on to talk about, really, the Sabres are the only team in the league that could put a package together between draft picks, Prospects and maybe one, at most maybe two, actual rostered players to pull this off, and not have to decimate their team in order to get McDavid. Um, and if you look at the prospects, and depending on what Edmonton's going to want back for a trade like that, uh, which you know they're going to want everything, but um, mm-hmm. you know I'd hate to say it, but you know the first thing they're going to ask for is Cage. Then after that, they're going to ask for talk, and you know, and, and it would be a hard deal to hammer out. But if you would only have to lose one guy like that, and maybe a, a second, third liner, and then a couple of prospects and picks, you might want to consider it. But if you could really give him a boatload of prospects, and maybe three first-rounders or two ro- uh, first-rounders in order to get to him, you, you never know. Because uh, their their contention was you could possibly pull this off without even.
2: Oh jeez. Oh,
1: awesome, okay, I, I, had, I accidentally lost. I'm sorry, Mark. I hit the wrong button. I just wanted to, I, I wanted to um, get Joe's thoughts. Sorry, Mark, yeah. I, I, we got your gist of it. My, my fault on that. Um, go but, ahead, Joe. What you said? I think we went a little too far down the rabbit hole of how they like, putting the pieces together, but yep. the overall general discussion is something that has to start creeping in.
2: Yes. And on the the original point, he he's right on the uh, Drysaddle's agent is not. This is his former agent. that now works for the Oilers. Obviously, he wouldn't be able to be his agent and work for the Oilers. But either way. So that did happen. And Drys right. Idol's contract comes up a year sooner than McDavid's. Drys Idol's only got this year and next year, and then that is it. McDavid's got one more year after that. So I agree with you. Like, It's a little early to start talking about who's best suited to do it, what a trade package would look like. I think what we're in right now is the phase of wondering if it could happen in the first place. And that idea is starting to become a little bit more serious. But what does come after that? Eventually, if this keeps happening, and Edmonton keeps sliding, like th- it will become more, there will be more and more noise about it. And if we ever do reach the point of, all right, this might happen. Who can do it? Who can make that trade? Market size will come into play. Um, what you know, living living conditions and whatnot for the player, the the pick compensation, of course, coming back. Who has the most value to provide the Oilers? And if we ever do get to that point, I mean, he's right. I mean, between cap space, draft capital, prospect capital, and depth of pieces so that McDavid or whoever, Dreisaitl, whoever gets traded for, won't be walking into a barren wasteland because they traded everything to get him. I mean, he's right. The Sabres, are, the Sabres among some other teams, are definitely going to be on the top of that list. We'll take a timeout. Patrick Hammer's going
1: to join us after this timeout. We'll get our weather outlook for Monday night and early look at Monday night's weather. Bills Broncos, Monday Night Football here on WGR on the Bills Radio Network. Joe, you want to hear what the uh, Oilers got back for Gretzky? By the way, Gretzky was 27 when he was traded. McDavid's going to be 27 this year. Okay. Well, Gretzky well, had been well. in the league. Gretzky been in the NHL with the Oilers nine years. Nine this is years. McDavid's ninth year.
2: How amazing would that be if they if the two arguably the two greatest talents of all time leave that team before they turn 30? Um the Gretzky trade is I mean, I know it. It's the first by the way, it's the original 30 for 30. ESPN. Uh is the oh, Gretzky is? trade one. It's the first one they ever did. Wow. Um I mean I I if you reminded me of the pieces, I would know them. I mean, I know it was a lot. But it also wasn't as much. It wasn't as much as it really should have been, right? Do I have that right? It was money that they wanted. Pretty much. And the reason why is because they got $15 million yeah. in cash. Right. They Peter Pockling They in, needed right? the cash. Yeah, you're yeah, yeah, right. He wanted, he wanted, he wanted money. Uh, so it
1: was Gretzky along with Marty McSorley and Mike Kruselniski. And Marty McSorley was the enforcer. He had to go along with Gretzky because, Joe, you had to have an enforcer with the yeah. guy who was scoring all the goals and play with him. So McSorley, because he was the enforcer, he basically got traded with Gretzky just to protect him. That's what happened. Crazy, right? Yeah. Um, Mike Krusinski, nice player. For Jimmy Carson, who was an up-and-coming player at the time, Martin Jelena, $15 million in cash, and the Kings' first-round pick in 1989. Uh, now, oh, 1989, 91, and 93. Uh, those picks turned into, let me tell you right now, um, the let's see, later trade the Devils, Jason Miller, uh, Martin Rusinski, and Nick Stadjuhar. So, basically... <laughs> Uh No. Yeah. They didn't get much. Yeah. Wow. I would expect them
2: to do better for McDavid.
1: <laughs> I would think so. I don't think they're necessarily cash strapped. All right. We got our guy, Patrick Hammer. We're going to talk about the weather for this weekend and leading into Monday Night Football.
4: Break it down. When you need to know what to wear. Is it going to rain? Is it going to snow? What to prepare for? You are about to find out. Here's Sal and Joe with your game day forecast with Channel 2 Weatherman Extraordinaire. Here's Patrick.
1: Have a time. Our guy Pat Hammer joins us on the Western Hotline. WGRZ-TV2 chief meteorologist. Thanks for adjusting your schedule this morning. We have Sean McDermott a little less than an hour from now, so we had to get you on a little bit earlier. We appreciate it.
0: My pleasure. Hey, before we get into stuff, I, I don't know yeah. what brought you onto the subject of John Elway, but I was listening to you guys earlier. You know he was known for the drive, but what was the other – the situation the fumble he was involved with
1: yeah the or fumble we talked about that. that one the fumble or what's that the other one. Oh. the play. Oh, was he wait whoa whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. was he was he yeah. in the game the the big game cal stanford
0: it was huge it was the last game of his collegiate career uh the he was they were on their way to a bowl game potentially he was the quarterback Versus the Golden Bears at uh, at Cal Berkeley, and he was involved in that uh, that game where the the play happened. The band is on the field. And I know the band that is on because I was there. Wow. What's that? That's when the band, the, the band is on the field. The band is on the field. Joe Starkey makes the call that um, they have like eight seconds left. The only thing that could win the game is a is a uh, a touchdown. Uh, Stanford does a squib kick and then, you know, Cal gets it and then all these laterals and all of a sudden the the famous Stanford band is on the field and the guy scores a touchdown and knocks over the tuba player. If you've seen that, I was at that game actually. Um, that's amazing. 12 years, 12 years old. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was a part of the play.
1: Well, that's good. Yeah, we've been talking about Elway. We've been kind of reminiscing here. Elway, well, you got great greats, right? Elway, we're talking about Gretzky because we have the McDavid whole thing and, you know, what happens there. So it's been been kind of a fun show today. A lot going on on Friday today, but the game is on Monday night. What are we looking at right now as far as an early look to Monday night's game? I know that uh, we're still a few days away.
0: Yeah, so here's the deal. Uh, Generally, it's going to be a quiet weather day, although breezy. If there's going to be any issue – Weather-wise, it's going to be not a windy day, but a, certainly a breezy day. Uh, leading up to the game, wind is going to be gusting to 25 to 30 miles an hour wow. during the day. Now, kickoff, of course, you know, the wind is going to subside a bit by game time. Uh, however, there will be a breeze uh, to, that could affect the game. And <clears throat> we are calling for a, a dry forecast. However, I can't rule out... There's a little weak weather system that's going to be uh kind of skirting through to our north that evening. It may stir up a quick sprinkle, okay, at worst. So not a big deal. But it will be cool and it will be a little blustery because of the breeze that's going to occur on Monday.
1: All right, so what about temperatures?
0: Temperatures. Okay, <clears throat> the day, you know, for tailgaters going out, it's going to be in the uh, mid 40s uh during the day which means tailgating time in the low 40s um there will be you know a mostly sunny day but there could be a little increase in clouds later on as this little weather system moves through and um you know it's going to get into you know right around 40 to 41 at kickoff time so um Mm. it's not a perfect night but it is not a let's call it a weather night in terms of any impactful weather other than the, the breeze that, that, you know um, uh, it's going to be out of the typical direction out of the Southwest. um, So nothing that the team hasn't uh, practiced in or kicked in before, but it could get a little swirly down on the field uh, uh, Monday night.
2: Are we at a point in the year where it's more volatile than ever? Like how, how much I guess could that forecast change in the next
0: 48 hours? One week, uh, one year ago today, we were talking, the three of us, and we were prepping for the Vikings game, mm-hmm. okay, which was coming up that Sunday. We all know ha- what happened that game. That was the first time you and I, the three of us, had a mention of something brutal could be coming the following week, which was, co- of course, mm. the massive blizzard that hit the South Towns in Orchard Park uh, a week later. So when you ask if things can change, (laughs) they certainly can. Um, If you remember, it was the game after the Vikings game against the Browns that got uh, moved to Detroit. Um, So, yeah, this is the time of the year where huge weather swings can occur. Um, Do we see anything like that looming? No. But now is when the radar is really up for changes, for forecast adjustments, and for um, get ready for anything. Because, yeah, we are, what's today, the 10th? We're, you know, seven days shy of one of Western New York's worst lake effect snowstorms in history. It kind of gets forgotten because of the Christmas blizzard. But we all know, I mean, this was the the Josh Allen snowfall, you know, the snowfall that matched his height, if you recall. Um, uh, We all joked about that. Um, So, yes, this is the time of the year where uh, keeping abreast, at least especially locally, to home games because things can uh, can change, this does not look like a big deal for weather uh, Monday. But again, I'm keeping an eye on that uh, the wind potential.
1: Okay, real quickly, uh, tomorrow and Sunday, how does it look for everybody out there?
0: A quiet, nice night. Another nice weekend to uh, you know attack that honeydew list. Um, we've got uh, a quiet weather on Saturday. If you're heading down to let's say Ellicottville, there could be a few rain snow showers there in the morning, but otherwise quiet. 40s for highs. And uh, pleasant weather through Sunday. And again, Monday looks pretty good. But in the afternoon and the evening, it is going to get a little uh, little gusty out there.
1: All right. Thanks a lot, Pat. We know you got uh, to get back on TV. We appreciate your time this morning. You got it. Have a good weekend, guys. All right. We'll try to check in with him on Monday, too, for everybody who's going out and uh, tailgating uh, during this uh, Extra Point show. Because obviously the game starts at 8.15 p.m. So you want to know about that and how to dress. We will take a timeout here when we come back. I still have to get to 3-Dog Thursday for the week, Joe. Yeah, I wonder three to know dog- how you did on your sneaky starts and sits. It's 3-Dog
2: Friday this three week. 3-Dog Friday. Right? He's, mean, he, a string of bad luck for a couple weeks, so you're we changing things up. This might be good. I did, I well, but last week, last week I had you a better back. week, although
1: I had a bounce-back week, but really one was very frustrating for me, and I'll tell you about that when we come back here
3: on WGR.